Welcome to the Impactful Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Clark. For the last decade, I've had the privilege of learning from impactful leaders across the globe through my service in the Peace Corps and nonprofits. Their leadership has inspired me to highlight those among us who are truly impacting our world so that we may learn from them and be more impactful together. Yes, leadership can be learned. The guests on our show are providing direction, inspiration, and leading the way in their business and community through service. Are you ready to have an impact? Welcome to the Impactful Leaders Podcast. Thank you for having me. So when it comes to lawn service, what exactly does that entail? It's definitely more than just mowing lawns. Yes, sir. Yeah. In fact, we don't even do the uh, the mowing part. We're a uh, chemical lawn company and we handle most of the things that the customers are usually unwilling to do, such as the, uh, the chemical side of things. So we do the fertilizer, the weed control, insecticides, fungicides, uh, mosquito control, things like that. Uh, some, some people are a little afraid of the chemical side of things because uh, it kind of gets a bad rap. Yeah. But uh, um, it's usually what's necessary to make the lawn look nice. What are some of the, so, I mean, you have all those myths and some of those things when people talk about the the chemicals, but I'm sure it's not all bad. Like it's, I'm sure they put a lot of precautions into them. Like, can you speak a little bit about that? Oh, absolutely. So um, a lot of uh the myth around the chemicals is, um, I guess, because it's a vague term and it, people associate all chemicals with this image of uh, toxic waste in their mind. Um, whereas the, the, a lot of the things we use are things that they're very accustomed to in their homes already. Uh, uh, fertilizer is basically nitrogen, whether it comes from um, manufactured or organic sources it's it's still not nitrogen and we we do apply both the organic and the non-organic types um things such as pest control uh they're mm -hmm. they're receiving these products in their homes already even things simple as roach and ant bait um a lot of people are accustomed to these we're just using it over a, a broader spectrum yeah. Um, uh, weed control, everybody's familiar with their over-the-counter weed controls. We, we're using the uh, commercial grade of these things. And so a lot of the, um, the safety side of these are already incorporated uh, by the EPA into these products. Mm -hmm. So there's only so much um, they have all the way through the manufacturing process of these chemicals before you know the end user, which is ourselves, receive them. They've already gone through a lot of checks and balances. And then uh, the Department of Agriculture and the EPA also monitors in which, in which way uh, companies like ours use these products on the lawn. So they've already been um, set up to where they can be applied to homes, areas where dogs walk, playgrounds, things like that. So, um, um, so uh, this is really nothing to be afraid of. You're, we, we don't yeah. deal with things that are dangerous for our own technicians to handle. So we certainly want to, wouldn't want to apply something like that to somebody's property. So we were kind of speaking off camera where you walked into this through your father. How did that come about? And were you one of those people, like when you're in school, where you're like, I can't wait to run the business? Or did you just kind of back into it? How did that kind of play out? 
Well, I kind of, I kind of fell into the business, honestly. Um, I went to college at the University of Georgia, graduated, uh, have a degree in uh, computer animation of all things. Um, and then, uh, um, I, when I graduated college, I had very difficult time finding work. So I actually worked for, um, uh, uh, sort of an outsourced company for Georgia Public Television for a short mm -hmm. period. Um, and after my contract ran out, um, I could not find any work at all. I was a, it was a weird time in the industry. But, um, and I, I don't want to go into that long story, but um, I ultimately ended up having to find work. And I was working at uh, places like Applebee's and Office yeah. Depot while I was sending out my resumes. My father, who... Uh, um, was running the business at the time, he was uh, desperate for help. And he asked, it's like, hey, I can pay you a lot more if you'll just come over here. Um, I had worked at Kimco off and on through my high school years, usually during the summers and such, mostly doing things like aeration, which is uh, a process where you push them, you walk behind a machine and punches holes in the ground. A lot yeah. of companies are familiar with that. Um, I was doing that kind of grunt work, uh, during my summer months, you know, when I was <laughs> off school. Um, and uh, so I'd already had some experience over here. So he brought me over and uh, I began to run a route, um, you know, just like any regular old hiree, you know, I wasn't brought in under, under any kind of special management or anything like that. So I, uh, <laughs> so I, I did that for quite some time. And after a while, I came to like it, um, you know, going from a um, 50 hour a week desk job working at a computer going to an outside job um, was a big change of pace and I actually mm -hmm. kind of enjoyed the change um, and uh, you know I've been here ever since <laughs> so at least you started at the bottom kind of and you you kind of understand oh, yeah. what it's like to do the grunt oh absolutely yeah I I as I worked as a regular technician for um probably eight years before I started getting into management so yeah. um, I, I'd always had kind of a you know um, being the boss of son he, he expected more from me and so I had to kind of work a little bit harder than everybody around me yeah. and I had to start dipping my toe on the management side because that's where I was needed eventually I became a, a manager and you know after many years of that you know up to a owner you know <laughs> how did when you took it over how was what was your mindset because we were again briefly speaking before we were recording and sometimes when people come over they want it to be a hundred percent then they want it to be this is now my thing i want to put my stamp mm -hmm. on it my joe boyd stamp on it or they kind of just right. fall into and let the machine run itself and like, what was your mindset when you came in? What were some of the first things where you're like, this is kind of what I want to do? Right. Well, at, at first, it honestly, it was a little bit in, intimidating. Mm -hmm. um, my father comes from um, the generation where they're, they worked on to dusk. You know, I mean, they they will <laughs> work nonstop or dusting on, I guess. <laughs> um, um, so he, he would start at the crack of dawn and he'd, he'd work till be doing paperwork in the evening. Uh, everything was manual, hands-on, um, mm -hmm. no computers, nothing. Um, so as I started getting into uh, 
early on, even before I became came into ownership, um, I started trying to put my stamp on things, you know, as as a manager. Yeah. Uh, so I um, I was probably the biggest influence in getting Kimco uh, into the digital realm, you know, um, getting uh, Kimco first on on computers instead of doing manual paperwork with <laughs> carbon copies and yeah, yeah. Uh, check boxes inside spiral bound notebooks to see when we were treating our customers. Yeah. Um, and then um, after that, you know, uh, we, it, it took some time and, um, and it, I can't take all the credit for this myself because, you know, my, my, uh, one of my younger brothers also came in, um, later and, um, between us, we were able to get, um, Kimco on into the, having active websites and, you know, we, we continue to build on that even, yeah. even as, much as this year we've made some major changes as far as that goes but when you were first going into like doing that transition to the digital side and making everything mm -hmm. from manual to digital was your stat was your dad still act very active and if so was he like giving some pushback or how did you go about that to kind of it it's a little bit of a different dynamic because you are the son so it's probably like he may have some pride. I don't know how he held himself where it's like, I don't want you to tell me how to do this or how did that kind of go about? Because it is kind of difficult trying to tell a manager whether you're related to them or not. This is how we should be doing things now. Specifically, mm -hmm. if it's from an older generation, how did you go about that? Um, he, he was, uh, when we finally got, went on to uh, um, tracking all our, actions through the computer um using a, a software called real green um mm. he he was a little bit resistant at first after he took that over um you know there was a, at least a year's worth of time where he he felt like uh if i recall correctly i don't think he w was real keen on it at first he, even though he was you know, he, he probably put his stamp of approval on going ahead with it. Um, it was very uncomfortable for him at the beginning, and it, it took a while to digitize. And, um, you know, there were still lots of things. And even today, um, he, he often feels like, you know, we should be doing it this way as opposed to this way. But, you know, a after a while, he, he was, uh, he, he came to accept it and, you know, would have started to appreciate you know not having to do that manual paperwork anymore mm -hmm. not having the carbon copies not having to track all that anymore um so he i, I think in the long run he he really um appreciated in in the end and you also um, oh go ahead continue no go ahead that was just because you also work with your brothers too yes sir so it's like how does that all balance each other like how how again uh, family it can be difficult trying to work with family sometimes because you know how they are you've known them forever like how do you balance that how do you guys do have clear lines set up where everyone runs a part where they're sort of like the expert in that section or how do you guys manage that and then how do you keep some of like maybe the extra family stuff that happens outside of business how do you you manage it in general like <laughs> so it it actually uh we work really well together you know we're we're all we're close friends um still you know we there's no there's no drama in uh within the family or anything like that so um 
uh, as far as uh, roles, um, I'm generally the uh, the front man for the company. I guess yep. you would say um, I run the main branch uh, here in, um, in Loganville, and um, my uh, second youngest brother, Tim Boyd, he took over. I started uh, the branch up in uh, Cumming, Georgia, okay. and um, he. Um, he also he comes from a graphic side of things as well from his uh his schooling um uh but he's really enjoyed taking over a lot of the um the web-based stuff so he does a lot of the um seo and he handles that through uh also through a a third-party company that helps us manage things like that um but he's very involved in that kind of thing now so we've i've kind of um I like him handling it. He, he does a great job at it because he's, he's very interested in it, um, much more so than myself. <laughs> um, and then uh, uh, my youngest brother, Rick Boyd, he's the uh, manager of our sales department. So he came to us after he uh, got out of the army. And so he um, he's always been a natural salesperson. So he uh, manages the, the sales team and um, is the the lead on any kind of big jobs or uh, any uh, sort of problems on the sales side. Um, And he's great at handling customers. I was going to ask if he also went the graphic creative route as well, because it's interesting that two two out of the three of you want kind of started off down that creative side before coming. Yeah, actually, no. Uh, So he, um, he, uh, did not want to go to college. So he ended up going to the military. Mm-hmm. And so he, he worked as an MP um, up there for quite some time. Uh, went, went over to Korea, was an MP over there for a while, yeah. and then uh, came back and um, he was uh, couldn't find any work and was delivering pizzas. I mean, just like, why, why don't you come over here? You know, we know you're good at sales and that sort of thing. So <laughs> he came over here and he, uh, you know, he was, uh, a salesman for a while and then he's you know as as we grew he became lead of the department so that's awesome and then so like you're talking about these different iterations of the company and how you guys have been growing um when you when COVID first happened I'm sure you were still able to work because you were outside <clears throat> being able to be somewhat distanced but how did the business change um during COVID and then after because now people are more at home are they trying to put more effort into their lawns because they're at home all the time and they want to enjoy them? What have been some of those changes and how did you navigate that? So it was actually kind of interesting. So in the, uh, when COVID first came into being about a couple of years ago, um, during the initial COVID scare, a lot of counties were actually uh, limiting the, the kinds of work that could be happening. Um, the cater was particularly bad. Um, they had a, they didn't want any, anything outside delivery people um, in, within the city. Uh, we were able to kind of squeeze under the line as uh, uh, mostly because we were doing outside work, but because, you know, we kind of sort of <laughs> fell under the, we are delivering the product to the property. So, yeah. um, you know, so we, we didn't have uh, much of a hard time operating 
uh, during those times. So that was kind of short-lived, thankfully. Um, after that, it actually, uh, COVID worked in our favor. Um, so uh, people were spending more time at home mm -hmm. and they were also getting a lot of um, uh, COVID relief uh, from the mm -hmm. government. So, uh, so uh, that combination of people being at home, um, staring at their lawns, uh, a lot of people doing um, work from home kind of jobs, you know, yeah. they, they go out every day and all of a sudden they're seeing things they don't normally pay attention to. So, oh, you know what, that kind of looks rough out there. And <laughs> so uh, we were able to take advantage of that and um, uh, uh, try to attract some of those uh, <laughs> people yeah. who are having these problems and we uh, are our phone calls um, just went through the roof. We're able to get a lot of sales out of that. And, you know, uh, surprisingly, um, you know, after, despite, after uh, a lot of the, um, the COVID relief money kind of went away, a lot of these people stayed with us. So, That's um, awesome. yeah, so, so, but you have to kind of, kind of establish yourself and make yourself valuable to the customer, you know, um, and we are generally considered a luxury service, you know, mm -hmm. so, you know, when it comes to this versus food, you know, people are always going to pick food, but <laughs> you know, I'll blame them. But, uh, um, you know, once they see what we can do, generally they'll, uh, stay with us and they start to appreciate the gains they get from a company yeah. like ours. And then, I can only imagine during COVID, more lawn care companies came out of the woodwork. People started opening up their own. Like, how do you stay competitive among such a saturated market? Like, how are you keeping yourself separate? How are you making sure that you keep your, your stamp on it? I mean, it sounds like once you're in there and you're able to build that relationship, like you kind of have it in, but how do you build that? How have you, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, even before COVID, um, I started seeing a lot of new companies coming out. Basically, anybody who was um, a fireman had free weekends. People who were in the mowing industry, people who are in the pest control industry, um, started dabbling in this service. Um, and, you know, you get a lot of people branching off, you know, once they get their license, a little experience, you know, mm -hmm. they wanted to try their hand at it. And so we kind of see them come and go. Um, but the, um, yes, during COVID, we did see a lot of people branch out, uh, sometimes out of necessity, I imagine. A lot of people lost their jobs during that period. Um, uh, the way we, to answer your question, the way we um, stand out amongst all these competitors is... Uh, I know it sounds corny, but it's really on the customer service side. So we all have access to the same products, um, the same equipment. And so, we, and it all goes down at a specific rate if you're doing it the right way, legally. So how, how do we stand apart from people who are all doing the same thing? And the, the difference is, is the hands-on experience. Um, so anybody can come spray a customer's lawn, but how many people are going to take the time to talk to that customer? Mm -hmm. um, one of the biggest things we get when we uh, gain a, a client from a competitor, and we don't actively try to steal anybody. They just, they kind of float over to us. Um, the way, the biggest complaint I hear is, oh, I've been 
calling such and such for three months trying to get a manager to talk to me about this problem on my lawn or this problem I'm having with my tech. And sometimes it's just communication issues um, where if one of their managers would have taken the time to talk to that customer, they would have been fine. And what we do what, that I think is different than everyone else is we make our managers very available, including myself. Um, I, as the owner, still go to people's properties when they have problems and I'll talk to them and, you know, make them feel okay about it. Um, help them try to, if I can't fix it in some way, you know, I can give them the best advice I can to even continue on their own. I mean, like, you know, sometimes they, um, they don't feel like they're getting what they feel like they're paying for. And mm -hmm. a lot of it's just a communication error or a, uh, um, setting expectations like uh, there's this myth that having a lawn company you're never going to have problems uh, you know once I get sprayed I should never have weeds again and you know that's just not true it's not the way nature works <laughs> and <Yeah>. so sometimes <laughs> you just got to walk hold the customer's hand and walk them through that and decide well, this is this is how the service works you know and a lot of people sign up for some of our uh, big nationwide competitors and they'll uh they're expecting instant results and they don't have anybody to talk to about it and they get frustrated and they leave and um i hate to repeat myself but it's you know a simple conversation could have kept that customer for that that company yeah. you know? no that's awesome you're able to give that kind of like that white glove experience for them especially yes. if the big, you know the big boss comes down and talks to you directly you're like okay i feel important how do you guys train <laughs> um your techs and the people that work for you and the communication side because at the end of the day it's always communication like that's what it will always come down to yes sir um so we we actually spend more time training our techs than i would say the average uh lawn company does mm -hmm. um I, i've heard reports of having people who have been on the job for uh less than a week training new technicians at other places so some of our big nationwide competitors, I'll say. <laughs> I don't want to say any names, but, yeah. um, but uh, so we'll, we'll actually spend, you know, up to a month training a technician um, on all aspects of the service. So uh, unlike other companies, our technicians not only will mix their own tanks, they understand the chemicals that are going in and what they do, why they are putting them down, um, a lot of companies to save problems will pre-mix for the technicians. Um, so they'll, they'll load up all their trucks for them, they'll load up all their hand sprayers for them and say, use this on this weed, go. And they, they send them out with a um, uh, sort of a big brother attitude on their technicians where I feel like more problems can be solved if you have an educated technician. He knows why he's putting this down he knows why he can't put too much uh we even um try to empower our technicians a little bit to where they can um sometimes customers whack for things that are ask for things that are not not even safe for their lawn like uh, mm -hmm. i want you to spray that harder you know for it's a very common one or i want you to double spray my lawn because i want the extra fertilizer and other companies might do this whereas it's like our, our uh, employees are empowered to say no you know that's that's illegal I'm, I'm not 
it's not safe to do that for your lawn. You won't be happy with the end result, you know, yeah. you want a problem. And so our, our uh, technicians, they can generate their own tickets to come back, follow up on customers if they feel it's needed. They can have a manager, create tickets for a manager to come see that thing, that uh, customer. And you deal with this in another very large company, the customers, the technicians will be just like, yeah, sure, whatever, I'll do this for you. Or, okay, yeah, I'll try to remember to tell my boss when I get back, you know, that they're, they have to, they're expected to do these huge number of lawns per day. And uh, all they're thinking about is getting home. You know? <laughs> so. yeah. How do you manage the, like, it sounds like you have a decent culture there too. How do you manage that from the top down? Are you meeting with your techs on a regular basis? Are you just like touching up with them? Are you keeping your brother, like, are they the ones touching? How do you manage yeah. Um, I have a pretty open door policy. Um, I am in with the techs on a regular basis. So I'm, I'm always available. Uh, I see them all every morning. I tell them good morning in person every day when, whenever I can catch them. Um, I have found that <clears throat> I know it, it's very popular in the industry to have like these um, daily meetings and uh, jam sessions before they go out. But um, if you combine that with these, with a big list of work they're expected to do, um, it, in my opinion, it actually causes more stress to the technician. There's not that much to talk about every single day. Um, I know I know of some companies that do this, so I know it's a real thing. <laughs> um, and you know, there's a I'm gonna just go off on the side here, but I. Um, I know it's very popular in some of the business models to have these jam sessions with your mm -hmm. uh, um, your employees on a regular basis to try to force that company culture. We, I find an easy environment creates a better company culture. Um, they give them a little bit of um, autonomy, you know, yeah. allow them to make some decisions themselves. Um, be there as a guidance for them, you know, set their, set their structures. Like you're expected to do this per, each day. If you need to go off route to handle a particular thing, that's your decision. Um, but, you know, um, I know of some companies that actually monitor what order their clients will do their, uh, I'm sorry, their employees will take care of their clients. Um, is that level that I think causes some stress. Like I uh, spoke to uh, a recent hire and he told me that the company he was working for previously, um, if he did, if he went off order, the list of customers that he had to do on his tablet, he would get a call from a manager. And even if it didn't make sense for him to do it in that order. So he was finding himself turning around in the middle of a street to do one account and then, continuing about Thursday when he said it was actually easier for him to do it this other way, but he would get in trouble every single time he did it, mm -hmm. you know? So wh why take that away from a technician? You're, you're causing them more stress at this point. What you want is a happy tech who will do good work for you instead of a tech that is so fearful that he's just yeah. more involved in, you know, following your very strict guidelines than he's, than he is, uh, and talking to the customer you know <laughs> yeah yeah no I like that I like that mindset let them let people just do the job if they do it well 
the process is okay. Like as long as like the customer's happy and they're not breaking any like laws, rules, whatever, at the end of the day, as long as it gets done the way it should to at, at a reasonable time, why add more? Absolutely. And then I'm, and you'll see that on a lot of, uh, um, uh, the various websites and books they have dedicated to management, you know, there's hundreds of them. They all um, want to talk about how to use a, uh, a specific employee's personality to your advantage. But in truth, they don't really do that. You know, they'll go, I'm sure you're familiar with it. They'll have like the, the color coding. Oh, you're a, your employee is a mix of red and blue so on and so forth and and this management style works best with them well if you're going to do that how is your uh extremely detailed list of your extremely detailed structure going to help them do their job in their own personal way you know mm -hmm. and still get it done on time it's like maybe it works better if I allow this one technician to uh, take his lunch how he wants yeah. or this other one to skip his lunch if he wants, you know? Whereas, no, no, you better stop your truck and go take your hour lunch break, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so just uh, leave it leave it open and let them make, you know, their minor <laughs> decisions within their day and, you know, they'll, 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 they'll do your work for you, you know? Yeah, no, I like that mindset. I have two long questions. One, sure, what sure. is the thing that most people are doing wrong when it comes to their lawn? And I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but. Um, so uh, one of the biggest things uh, that happens on the customer side that they're not aware of that is actually making their um, the lawn have like ill effects is would be their mowing habits. So like mm. uh, some customers mow their own lawn, some people pay uh, other companies to mow their lawn. Um, but what I, we see most common, when the biggest complaint we get is we'll come out and they'll say, why is my lawn brown? And we'll go out and we'll see that it's been mowed to the dirt or have half the, the grass been removed with their most recent mowing. And then, you know, after some talk, we'll find out, oh, they're getting it mowed twice a month. Um, and so grass doesn't grow based on the mowing schedule, you know, of their... Yeah their company or um, that particular customer's lawn, you know. So what'll happen is the grass will grow up into the mowing range and after a, a heavy rain, it might grow even more. And if they're still mowing it twice a month, you know, um, what they're doing is they're scalping the lawn every single time they mow it, turning mm -hmm. the whole thing yellow. And, you know, we have to come out and try to guide them along their mowing habits as well. Um, so one, one of the few things a customer can do to make the lawn look nicer is actually try to mow weekly whenever possible, or at least keep an eye on it. Mow weekly? Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's, that's what's actually recommended for most turf types is to mow weekly. Um, a lot of people want to mow every other week because that's what they've heard is the right thing to do, but it's actually usually the thing that's making the lawn brown interesting i did not know that i would have thought if you're talking about every other week at scalping it and making it sure i would think every week would be just doing the same thing and maybe doing it once a month compared to once a week so what what you're doing when you're mowing is you're actually aiming to just take the top off the very mm. tip so you're not mowing it 
um, at the same height. And so like, for instance, in the spring, um, it's normal to do a lawn scalping and make your lawn um, start to green up early. Yeah. And then you raise your mower up and you try to maintain that mowing as long as possible. So if you wanna get your lawn to maintain at that height, if you're waiting, um, you know, two, three weeks in between your mowings, what's happening is the, the woody portion of that grass is actually, especially if you get a lot of rain, pushing up well past the way the height you want to keep it at mm. so you're actually removing more leaf every time and so once you start removing more than like 50 percent of the leaf is extremely stressful to the grass and it will actually turn yellow um and that's the easiest way to keep your height at that um get that kind of golf course look and you know, yeah. a lot of customers want Interesting. And then what is one of the side services that you guys provide that you think would benefit lawns the most? Um, I would say out of everything we do, um, the one that would get the most benefit for customers would be our fungicide program. So we, uh, it's a program we, uh, where we take care of uh, fungus on properties such as dollar spot and brown mm -hmm. patch fungus. Um, during these summer months, these are very common on the lawns, and it's one of the main things that makes lawns look spotty or thin. Mm. And it's, it's one of those things, uh, because in our company, we have it as an elective to try to keep their price down. Uh, some yeah. of our competitors will uh, and give them like one free fungicide per year, um, but they're actually charging for it within the service itself. Um, so uh, to keep their our costs down and competitive, we actually... Um, make it a separate service um, but as long as customers when they begin to see fungus if they'll they will uh, do a fungicide application or a few of them it will actually keep this problem out of their lawn they'll have a greener lawn throughout the summer interesting that's it's always interesting to see how some companies will add things into the into mm -hmm. the mix and then you have all these add-ons and it's, it's just once you start realizing some of the behind the scenes of these other industries that you thought you knew it's really eye-opening <laughs> yeah it's, a, it's interesting it's just a business model and you know i don't entirely disagree with it the problem with incorporating you know a single fungicide application into the service is because you're putting um you're giving them that one freebie or what they feel is free, I should say. And then it doesn't take care of it for the rest of the year. So um, it's, a, it's a continuous problem throughout the growing season. So if you give them one, and what do you tell them later? It's like, oh, I thought it was included in my service. You know, they don't get it free forever. So yeah, actually they need it over and over and over, you know, and someone's got to do. Yes, sir. And then if anyone wanted to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to reach out to Chemco if they're looking for, you know, a consultation, if they're looking for more information, how should they do that? Okay, well, we have a few e easy ways. So um, our service, our website, chemcolawnservice.com. Uh, um, we have a very easy measuring tool where you can do it yourself or you can request somebody out and give you the, the hands-on estimate where we'll actually physically walk off your property um and which I'll, you know a lot of our older customers are prefer that as to trying to use the uh the little gps tool on their on the website um also uh, just an easy phone call uh, our number is uh 770 
1-866-666-6113. And, um, you know, we, we have a 24-hour uh, person on the phone. I love it. Well, Joe, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it.